out here in the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we is stoned, immaculate. Hello and welcome. This is the C86 show. As you know, always playing the finest in indie pop. We also love a special guest, sometimes an artist, sometimes an author. This week it's going to be on a particular publication that came out a few years ago titled Somewhere Leather, Somewhere Lace, the worldwide compendium of post-punk and goth in the 1980s. This came out on... Intellect Publishing, I do believe, he says, looking down. Yes, Intellect Publishing. Um, and it was co-written, there was two authors, Malus Bonja, mispronounced slightly, and also Andy Harriman, hopefully not so mispronounced. Anyway, this is the interview that I did with Andy Harriman. And after several minutes of casual chat, we got down to the exciting subject of how the book came together. And this was her reply. Take it away. Um, well, it's a, kind of a long story. I mean, I was in grad school working on a, a, a master's degree in um, actually jewelry design. And uh, as soon as I got there, I realized that that's not what I wanted to do. So I kind of just like immersed myself in the goth subculture the 80s specifically because I went to Savannah, Georgia for grad school and there was no scene there. There was nothing to do. I was bored out of my mind. <laughs> so um, I ran across uh, Marlos's, uh, my book partner's website at the time, which was a Tumblr called Now This Is Gothic. And those photos inspired me alongside of the music. And I was trying to do research for like a project or something. And I realized there was this huge gaping hole in research. You had books on punk. There were lots of books on like 90s goth, uh, but nothing really that focused on the 80s. And uh, so... You know, I just started doing research and really thinking about it. And I was like, you know what, I I can write this book. <laughs> if nobody else is going to do it, I can write this book. So um, I asked, uh, you know, I just kind of convinced uh, the Now This Is Gothic, um, my partner, to to join me because I knew she had lots of connections for photos. And, uh, you know, I kind of just kind of convinced her that this was like a special project and um, I did most of the writing and she did lots of uh, connections with, you know, people to interview and um, uh, different uh, kind of like more focused things. I did like overall interviews and put together the main text and she um, was able to find photos from you know, around the world, like she was doing on her Tumblr page anyway. Um, and this was before, like, it really blew up. Like, I feel like we started this project at the right time, right before, you know, the 80s goth look was huge again and everybody sharing these photos over and over again. At the time, she was doing something very different. And, um, yeah, I think it was kind of luck that nobody else had yet done it. Um, so after I wrote the book, well, I, before I wrote the book, I did a Kickstarter to raise money to pay for some of the photographs for professional photographers. And then I literally just <laughs> out of sheer will, I guess, I uh, went to a book fair and I <laughs> sold the book to a 
intellect. Um, I just went to different publishers that were at the book fair and pitched the idea to them. So everything was very grassroots. Like I had no idea what I was doing. I had never really written anything. I had never published anything, of course. So it was just me really wanting to see through on this project. Yes. Well, I'm impressed. And it was interesting what you said um, kind of at the beginning of that um, story because narrative, because because parts of the 80s or the part, you know, parts of youth culture, you know, and to, to make it kind of easy, you know, sort of like from the 60s, though, I mean, it probably was Elvis as well. But but just generally, God, this could get complicated, couldn't it? But, it, um, you know, like a lot of it gets documented. So you had the 60s, you had glam, you've got punk, you know, even prog rock and heavy metal. And then the subsec subcults that happened in the 80s were quite interesting because from that punk period, you had that new new romantic kind of bit, you know, like there was mm-hmm. the bit Blitz Kids and all that, those people from Duran Duran and Spandau Ballet and ABC, and that's all kind of been well documented. And then, and you know, the mainstream charts kind of look as well. But but you're right, there was this alternative scene or it alternative the independent charts, I suppose, to to focus on the music, and that was where I suppose people like me was was were very obsessed with. Because I, you know, I like the sound, and and I kind of related a lot more to it. And and within that, you you still had little subsections. Because to be honest, I was really into the indie scene, and you know, and, and there's been a few books out recently, I suppose, um, documenting that more than than at the time. Um, and then you had the goth scene as well, and th- and that was kind of another scene. And the interesting thing is, these no, none of these groups particularly mixed, did they? And I have to confess. I was an indie kid. I looked down on goth. I looked down on goths. At oh, the time. why? I know. Well, I know, and and that's a good question. I need to tell my ask my therapist. I think, but it's about. <laughs> I think it was about the look, and it was all a bit like. And at the time, I mean, this is you do a book and anything in retrospect, you know the story and the narrative, and you you kind of and with age, you you hopefully don't become so uptight and worried about everything. Um, that doesn't always happen, obviously. But then. Uh, yeah, at the time, you know, there was a particular person who liked goth. There was a particular attitude. You know, people really lived it, as you could imagine. They didn't go and have day oh, jobs, yeah. did they? And and I think some of it was just it just looked a bit farcical. And I was into the Smiths and the and the go betweens and angsty stuff. And and with with that kind of political kind of socialist workers party thrown in. So you know, Billy Bragg and people like that. And there was a band called the Redskins and you know, Rock Against Racism. And 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 so the goth scene was was another kind of world and also there was goth clubs weren't there and I mm-hmm. I definitely would have been too intimidated to have gone to a goth club <laughs> I would have been frightened so so yeah so I had to confess that so but with age and I think this is possibly the reason what I'm trying to um, convey is that you one starts to look back and think actually it was all right but at the time it all seemed a bit they, they weren't my people really but but like I said, it's it's kind of a fascinating scene, and it's one that hasn't been documented before either. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one of the things, and uh, and also one of the other things that I've sort of noticed is the passing of time gives things a different perspective. And I've kind of put it down to almost twenty to twenty five years, sometimes thirty, that suddenly things take on a, quite a different meaning. But you couldn't have probably done this book five years after the you know the scene or ten right. years. It, it kind of needs a certain space, doesn't it? Right. Yeah. I, I would say a lot of the 
original goths, I like to call them original goths, uh, that I interviewed had only very lovely things to say. I mean, unless they were talking about, you know, being bullied on the street or things like that. Otherwise, they only had very positive things to say and memories to tell. Yes, absolutely. And so, again, you know, sort of bringing this this book and publication together, how long did it take um, from, from when you started to make that early connection with your partner to um, sort of seeing it through to the end? Wow. Um, I guess I started in 2010, oh, maybe 2011. I think it was late 2011 when I finally said, you know what, I'm going to do this. And then it was published in September of 2014. So yes. what, almost three years. Yes, but, but a valuable three years. They were valuable. Yeah. And did you, I mean, when you were doing it, did you feel a certain responsibility to get it right? Because obviously it, mm-hmm. I, I don't completely know, but I get the impression that you were probably quite young, so you missed the goth scene when it happened. Oh, yeah. It, it's kind of like uh, I'm nostalgic for a time when I was I, I was like a tiny baby at the end of the 80s. So uh, it, was, it was a thing where I wanted to give them a voice, which is why it's not it, – it's literally just the oral history. It's not like please kill me or anything where it's just – you know, someone's name and then what they said, but I made it a bit more, I don't know, more in paragraph form, not oral. It was more of a a history, but everything that I wrote about came from an interview from an original goth um, because I felt like, well, I can't talk about a history when I wasn't even there. It's, I need to be able to give you know, people who are actually there, a platform to tell their stories and to tell, you know, their style secrets or how they made their clothes or where they got them or what bands they loved. Um, so it's kind of like I just gave them a way for them to be able to share. Yes. And did you, um, I mean, having sort of doing, doing these interviews with, with various kind of the goths from that scene, I mean, did you sort of find their sort of story themselves about what happens once they have that kind of period and episode in their life? What happened? What comes next? Did you find that some stayed with it and some sort of put the black clothes in the cupboard a bit to um, (laughs) sort of to sort of move on? I just wondered if you became sort of fascinated by their narrative. Um, I did. I think I was most fascinated by their stories about getting ready and the club scene. But I think a lot of them do have a bit of flamboyancy left in them. I would say a lot of them aren't still wearing all black, but some were. But I think they all, you know, would dress up and wear a bit of makeup or, you know, different colored hair. They don't look like typical people, you know what I mean? But they don't look full on goth. I mean, some do still, but... um, I'd say a lot of them have calmed down a lot. Yes, absolutely. And are you, um, the one thing I've been surprised by, sort of having sort of been obsessed with that sort of music decade, because I suppose that's, you know, my, you know, I just happened to be there at the time. So I was sort of consuming and listening to a lot of it um, as it was happening. Um, One thing that I have sort of been interested by is that a lot of the bands, I suppose, of that period, they often have a five-year narrative. They, you know, they get together, they make a sound, 
they do a sort of the first single that if that goes well, they get the album. Things are going generally good. The second album often goes terribly badly. Um, and also the other the other thing that a lot of British bands, if they ever tour America, they that often completely breaks them because kind of touring America is such a big thing. And so they often come back and say, God. We just broke up after that. But I've noticed that quite a lot of bands are sort of reforming and are sort of going out back back on the stage and um, are doing it. And I, I noticed that, you know, Bauhaus appears a lot of, in the book and they're bizarrely and amazingly have reformed and are going to be playing some dates this year and people like Wayne Hussey from The Mission as well. So it's, it's kind of interesting that that scene has kind of, um, yeah, and Wayne Hussey brought out a book very recently as about mm-hmm. his early years up to the Sisters of mercy so have you also been kind of curious and fascinated with some of the the bands and artists as well uh yeah i actually flew out to la to see Bauhaus's first show <laughs> um which was really good actually i was very happy to yes. be there um but i think yeah it's a time when this sort of music's really you know it's becoming super popular again. I think maybe five years ago it was just starting up and now it's kind of full blown. Everybody's touring the chameleons. Uh, uh, who yes. else? Well, I know Sex that- gang children. Everyone is touring again, which is great. I love it. Yes. Sad Lovers and Giants. That's what I was trying to think about. Um, all yes. these bands. I know there's, um, I don't think they were particularly goth, but I know it was Jesus and the Mary Chain. And mm-hmm. um, and I know they've been sort of doing some extra dates. So it, it's oh yeah, Spirit of Destiny. And again, I mean, I think there was a quite oh a, yeah yeah. There's quite a crossover between the sort of goth scene and the sort of I suppose the indie bands. And you know, when I say indie bands, again, it's those kind of bands a bit like the Smiths and the Orange Juice. And there was a band called the June Brides and the Go Betweens from Australia. So yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I suppose what what the book really sort of captures is a, a tribalism which. I'm not, you know, I can't, you know, I'm I'm no longer sort of surfing the cultural zeitgeist in music, so I don't really know what, what the scene is. But I know that at the time, one is so kind of obsessed about the music and obsessed about the clothes mm-hmm. and obsessed about those artists that, you know, but you can't, if you like one set, you know, like I probably said at the beginning, it's very, you know, to sort of like something else, it almost feels like a guilty pleasure. And I can remember liking the Missions Wasteland, thinking, oh my God, I won't tell anybody this story. All, all the sisters of mercy but now I kind of listen I think oh it's amazing why was I so stupid but then you know that's that's what being young is all about isn't it really so and I just wondered having sort of done the book I mean what was the response like afterwards did you get much kind of you know people getting in touch with you and obviously photographs of people in the book as well which is quite amazing did you sort of find that quite a few people were kind of excited and interested in it Yeah, I think there was a lot of support. I mean, you had the naysayers who were like, why is she writing this book? She's too young and all this stuff. Um, And obviously they haven't read it because if they actually read it, they would see it's not my words. I just put them on a piece of paper, um, somebody else's words. So, uh, but I think there was a lot of support. I I enjoyed doing a lot of lectures and panels. I still do a lot of lecturing about the goth subculture and um, I generally really love doing that because people who come to those are genuinely interested in learning something, which, you know, I, I absolutely love, you know, it's kind of 
not every day that you get to talk about goth in like a a different space than the club scene or something or a Facebook group. You know, it's like in person, you answer questions, people laugh along, you make jokes. Um, it just it's really nice to do that. And I feel pretty lucky to be able to do things like that. Yes. And before I ask you that exciting question of what you're up to now, there was quite one amusing sort of anecdote I, I can remember because I saw in the book, which made me laugh, was goth, goth fans, or yeah, I think they're fans, in graveyards. Goths and graves were quite a big thing, weren't they? And mm -hmm. it's great that you've got some photographs of the UK. And I always remember um, when I was in a shared house many decades ago, this friend um, who at the time, um, yes, I mean, it's just one of those experiences that you sort of thankfully get on with, or you try and get on with the people you shared house with. But he really, really, he really, I have to confess, he really hated goths, he said. And, um, and I always remember him saying, I'm not going to get buried because I know that the, I mean, um, something about, the, about, yes, goths will just try and have, you know, be making out on my grave. And I just, that would be the worst thing in the world. I want to be cremated. <laughs> because I don't know if that was really a thing that, you know, goths like to go in graveyards to make out. But um, I, it always made me smile. And then I saw that photograph and it, it jogged my memory of, of um, you know, having to stand around in graveyards. And I did a bit because of Morrissey and the Smiths. So we all do. Yeah. We all do the graveyard thing eventually. So look, sorry about that anecdote. But um, what what then happened and what are you now working on sort of um, either book wise or lecture wise? Um, well, since the book, I've done, I do a lot of freelance writing nowadays. So I write for Bandcamp. I've done some cool things on Red Bull Daily uh, and a few other like digital publications. I, uh, I did write a book and I'm sitting on a book, but I don't think I have the, uh, the money or the time to put into getting permissions for the subject I wrote upon. So I'm not going to speak on that. So that was, that kind of put a wrench in my life for like, cause I wrote, I was working on it for a year or two. And, um, so now I'm just lecturing every now and then. And then I also DJ a lot and that's kind of taking off. I don't really DJ goth music though I will, but I do some fun new wave stuff and it's usually eighties. It just depends on the genre. Yes. It's a good, it's a good, it's a good decade. It's a good genre. Yes. To do, oh, look. Yes, I agree. That's fantastic. Well, look, thank you ever so much for giving me the time for the interview. And I'm really pleased we got it together. And I, I did also interview your, um, your co creator. Is it co creator or co author? Is it author? I guess so. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, and, um, so yeah, so when I put these two interviews out, I will tell you, and then you can always, um, link them and and um sort of put them in various platforms or put them in the cupboard sure. i don't know but yes thank you ever so much it's been great to, to hear both your stories and um yes it's been good you both you of course it's been good but anyway look thank you ever so much and just to check you. do you pronounce your name andy harriman mm -hmm. yes andy harriman that's great i must admit i'm, I'm dreading pronouncing your co co-author's name I just say my loose. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's Dutch. I mean, we're not Dutch, so you probably do a better job than me. <laughs> my loose. Yeah, I'll say it. Like, I'll, I'll just yeah. quickly mumble it. Anyway, yeah. look, this is great. Thank you ever so much. And again, you know, amazing publication. And uh, thanks. And um, yeah, look forward to sort of hopefully seeing some more of your work. And um, yeah, best of luck for the future.
All right. Thanks. Have Take a good care. night. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.